Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental illnesses to encourage you to strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. Welcome to Resilient Minds 365, where we discuss the resilient stories of entrepreneurs, professionals, and students with mental health challenges to encourage you to thrive, strive, thrive, and live in abundance. I'm your host, Cleone Crawford. So guys, today we have a special guest with us. As you know, all of our guests are special, but we have a very, very special guest with us today. Her name is Rebecca Mason. Who is Rebecca Mason? Well, Rebecca has been writing songs since she learned to carry a note at the age of four. Ever since music has been her, ever since then, music has been her second language and the only constant in her life. She would sit for hours in front of her Sony tape deck. Do you remember those? Recording songs a cappella until she realized having begun her formal, formal music training on the violin that she could learn an instrument to accompany herself. She began teaching herself guitar, then piano, all in service of the cathartic songwriting that helped her make sense of a churning world. Rebecca is driven by a need to understand life's heartbeat, transforming ineffable experiences and vulnerable emotions into sound. With that said, I now present to you, Rebecca Mason. Rebecca, how are you doing today? I'm good. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So Rebecca, tell us more about your profession. What do you do? Um, What's your nine to five? Pretty much what do you do um, for a living? Uh, it's a complicated question. I um, well, I uh, I'm a, I'm a realtor. That's my main that's my main income. But I do it to support my music. So I teach music uh, uh, four four days a week, four afternoons a week, and then um, I also have um, a band, Our Mason, which is uh, kind of featured in the film that I did with John Flatman. So um, yeah essentially it's like you know what does my day look like it changes all the time depending on what needs to be done sometimes I'm sitting there scheduling um music lessons um right now I'm planning a an end of year show at the Herman's Jazz Club for my students at the end of the year and also planning for the release of this film but I'm also teaching and you know setting up appointments as a realtor as well so yeah and then also I, I just got back from a um a trip to Jordan River to record two singles with my band, Our Mason, which is really my favorite part because that's the writing and that's my healing. So when I, you know, all the other stuff is kind of in service to that. And so, yeah, it's, it, that was a really rad week. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, so it's, it's, it's always changing and, um, I mean, I love it. I, I can't believe how lucky I am to be able to do, you know, all of that stuff. But it's, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> cool. Tell us more about this film that's coming up. I'd love to hear more about that. 
Yeah. So basically, um, it's like, where do I start? Uh, it's it. Well, it started basically when um, I uh, was between bands and I, I didn't really know what I was doing with my music. And I kind of come to a standstill and was going through a lot of kind of mental health um crises as I do when I stop creating <laughs> I don't know what comes first and then uh, a friend of mine um you know suggested this place in the country uh, it's a beautiful barn come and you know he's like just keep writing why don't you make you know turn that the music that you've been writing into something and so um I was playing with a, a guitar player at the time and yeah we just basically you know long story short we decided to to work on an EP and um, the songs had already been written but we and then when we got to start recording at this at the barn house in Qualicum um, I was just so captivated by the space and the people that I was working with and the support of everybody on the team that was working with me um, that I actually got John Flatman to start filming everything that we were doing cool. so, yeah, so th so we started to a lot of it was getting filmed, and then the conversation of should we turn this into a documentary? This is just such an important experience. The pandemic started hitting. I had a baby. I went through a whole other um, like three months basically of of pretty pretty bad depression kind of stuff, and um, and 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 once the album was finished, I started tracking down into interviewing other people in. The Victorian music scene, who use similar uh, music and and art in similar ways to sort of find their healing, and so the conversations kind of just kept rolling, and it was just a really beautiful project. You know, it was I say in the film the the EP was just supposed to take a few weekends. We're like, oh, we'll just get this out there and we'll be done and we'll be finished, and then it didn't just turn into a full EP, but it it turned into you know two years and then three years with the film, and then it's been been even longer than that now we have we still we're not releasing it until next friday so it's like i'm about to give birth it's all gonna happen mm -hmm. but it was yeah it's just been so anyways that's basically the film is just a conversation um about you know why why am i doing this i think a lot of that two-year span while i was working on it there's a lot of times you kind of ask yourself like why why am i bothering to do this and taking time away from your family and it's not like a pity thing it's not like you know it's just more like I have to do this. Why do, but why am I sacrificing so much to do it? And you realize as you're going through it, just the significance of doing that. And that question for me has been really, really significant. And, and I think for the people that we spoke with, it's, it's, you know, I, I was able to surround myself in a community of people that were like-minded. It's not like that for everybody, but um, yeah, it's uh there's one woman actually that I wish I had interviewed. Her name's Louise Rose, and apparently, John Flatman had a conversation with her after the film was over. And she's a local jazz singer in Victoria, and she taught me a little bit of voice years ago. And I guess John had asked her, you know, or telling her about the film, and she and I could just see her. She just was like, "Music is it. It's everything." And she's so passionate. And you can see when you start having the conversation. You see people's eyes light up and they're like, no, it really is. These moments that I've had with it, these like, it's like this little flickering flame that just keeps coming back and you're constantly getting inspired and healed and motivated 
through mm-hmm. it. And it's not just music, but it's, it's, um, you know, whatever your art form is. So, so anyways, yeah, that's basically what, what the film is. <laughs> cool. That's exciting. So how can people watch your film? So it'll be out, uh, well, we still have, uh, I think there might be a, a ticket or two left for our release so they could come and watch it there. It's on, you can get tickets on my website. And then also, um, uh, it'll just be up on YouTube for now, um, potentially distributing it in other places. But for for now, it's just YouTube. I think for, um, <laughs> because music is still my focal, focal point, I did, mm-hmm. I'm not putting like a lot of, of time and effort into kind of, you know, working on the craft of filmmaking, but um, it was just an important story that I had to tell. So anyways, I think I'm just going to leave it there on YouTube and, and people can easily watch it for free. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So with that said, we are going to move into the mental health piece of the re- of this interview to find out more about um, your story. Uh, so tell us, what is your mental health diagnosis and when were you diagnosed? Um, I was diagnosed in, I, 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 I think it was 2008, maybe, mm-hmm. um, somewhere around there. Uh, and I was diagnosed with, uh, depression, um, anxiety disorder, panic disorder, and, uh, minor agoraphobia, which was a surprise to me. Um, agoraphobia, agoraphobia, what is that? If you know what, don't know what that is, that's just the fear of leaving your house. Basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite a few years since I had that diagnosis. So I'm actually curious because I know mental health is, is so changing. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I have been able to get psychologists lately, but I, I want to know what the diagnosis is now because I think, um, I think it's shifted, but maybe Mm -hmm. it hasn't, you know, so I still struggle um, I call it the SADS. They can hit pretty hard, and um, I still have panic attacks. Um, I still have anxiety. is is the biggest one. That's kind of just always looming. But like the panic attacks are the things that they'll hit, and I can't properly function anymore. Right. And, then, um, and when I say anymore, it can happen. Like I'll be, uh, um, you know, I'll be teaching a lesson. And then I'll just say, I need to go get you a piece of paper. <laughs> this happened the other day and I was went into my daughter's room and I just stood there in front of her desk and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm getting a piece of paper. But all I could do was like hyperventilate and, and, you know, have my panic attack and who knows, you know, why those hit. But so anyways, yeah, I, so that's kind of me not being able, like in that moment, not being able to do anything, but um yeah, so that's kind of my that's my my daily struggle. <laughs> okay, okay. So tell us more about your mental health story of resilience. What did you have to do when when you? Yes, your mental health story of resilience. How did you come? What What did you have to go through? Like, like, just tell us about your story about you know the different experiences that you've had um with your anxiety and um and how and how you were actually to be resilient despite that yeah the overcoming um i uh initially the the overcoming 
when I got the the diagnosis and when I was going through that, that was my I called the, the the big breakdown because I, um, I I had to leave work and I went on disability leave and then I had to stop. I was in school at UVic, and I had to um, I had to quit that for a while. So for three months, it was um, it was it was basically just yeah, like in my house, friends had to drive me places. I was seeing a counselor and psychiatrist and psychologist. Um, you know, almost every day, just to try to sort out what was going on. I, I see now with with the stigma that's um, it's tough because when you're going through something like that, even though that was, you know, I guess like 15 years ago now, uh, doesn't feel like that long ago. But even then, there was there's a lot of stigma around uh, counseling or or um, you know anything like that. Like you just didn't talk about it like you did now. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think my fear of of that and and the reality of what the world was mixed with my fear of of medication at the time really held me back so I for about a year I yeah I didn't take any medication I didn't do anything just because I was so afraid of it so I was I was calling it you know like I'm just gonna be strong in this and I'm just gonna you know sort this out with counseling and and exercise <laughs> but it took a lot longer the good thing about it is I did do a lot of hard work and I did like, you know, I did a lot of work to get down to like the crux of what the issue was. Um, so I was able to get through that, but um, in a lot of ways it's hitting me again now. So the, the question of, of how to, you know, overcome in this like kind of another turn in my life is, is coming up again. So we'll see how I get through it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, cool. Thank you. And so tell me, what did you have to do to overcome or bounce back from your low points? List all the resources. Yeah, I I think um, like obviously music and, and writing specifically mm -hmm. and uh, running has been a big thing too. I started running marathons um, and then, yeah, and then the usual um uh, well, friendships have been huge and also just, yeah, counselors, psychiatrists at the time, uh, psychologists, doctors. Um, okay, cool. So what are three things you wish you had available when you were at your lowest point? I One thing is medication. I wish that I wasn't so afraid of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh, what's another thing? I feel like <laughs> these questions came up before and I don't remember what I said um what else do I wish was available um I think at the time I as much as I say I used music I did but I didn't have the same connection with it because it hadn't actually brought me through in the same way mm -hmm. so I wish my relationship with music was was a bit better at the time um so yeah I, I think that that would have helped me. I use classical music a lot now as just a calming piece. Sometimes writing is actually too, uh, too jagged to actually use, um, depending on where I'm at in my process. And, 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 and classical music is a huge calming piece. So I, yeah, I wish that I was more advanced in my abilities with classical music 15 years ago. And I think that would have really helped a lot of little moments. Um, yeah. All right. And so what words of hope 
would you give to our listeners? What would you tell them if they were going through a mental health challenge and um, they were going through what you went through? Uh, what would you tell them? Oh, I would say to focus on the most beautiful parts of life. I think um, that's, you know, among all the things, you, you know, call it music or running or friendships or whatever. I look out my window and I see the light shining through the trees and I can, I can get lost in moments like that. Um, you know, watching your little boy smile, you know, and, and uh, sitting by the ocean and smelling, smelling the, smelling the salt. It sounds like they're just small things, but it's probably a lot of small things that have caused it, even though there's, you know, often a, a big, you know, traumatic experience as well. I think that often we are, yeah, it's surprising how much those little things can heal or break you. So, yeah, I think focusing on the small parts of beauty in the world has been huge for me. And finding finding the bits that you love. I, I, I spent, I think, maybe like a year or two just constantly pointing out happy feeling, happy feeling. It sounds so, it sounds so dumb, but like, you know, I'd be like, okay, that the book sitting under the chair that should be put away, that's not a good feeling. Uh, the look of the piano keys that are nice and clean and they're just sitting out in the sun, that's a good feeling. And believe it or not, I didn't understand good and bad feelings for quite a while. I didn't understand oh. the mix. Like they were all just kind of clouded by anxiety. And now I can point out like, I like that. I like that. I don't like that. There's a lot of confusion in mental health issues. And I think, organizing your thoughts and what you love and don't love is a really, really important part of it. Okay, cool. So now we are gonna take a change, a, uh, a switch in the interview. And we are going to talk about the music therapy part of this interview. Usually, if I had my background, <laughs> a book. Okay. Uh, and the book is um, called, it's, it's my book that I wrote, which is called The Music of My Life. So where I talk about my experience between bipolar and music therapy. So with that said, what type of music do you like? Uh, it's like asking what my favorite color is. It's like, well, to wear or to look at. <laughs> so, um, my favorite, uh, my favorite music to play might actually be classical music. My favorite music to write is probably, is, is like, um, like an, an indie, uh, rock pop kind of style with a lot of like sensuality and that kind of thing. Um, and I think my favorite music to listen to is just kind of a combination of that. I, I think my favorite part about music is the intimacy and the small moments, just like I was talking about, that's been really healing for me. So mm -hmm. watching, look, looking at classical music and watching the notes move, like Eric Satie is a, is a uh, he's a, I don't know, he's a composer and he, um, one of his, his, Nuestiens, I think you pronounce it. There's no bars and there's no um, there's no bar lines and there's no time signature. And so throughout the music, he'll say things like, 
with intimacy or with a jagged approach or let loose the, you know, and so he doesn't, he kind of breaks free of all the like boundaries of music, if even there are any. And to me, that's just such an intimate way of writing because you're connecting with just the sounds. You're forgetting that this is a piano. You're forgetting that, you know, music has rules and you're just playing it and, or, and listening to it and, and experiencing it for yourself. And I think that music ought to be like that all the time. I mean, I know that you have to kind of live within, in, in boundaries, but so, so anyways, yeah, I guess whether it's indie pop like Lana Del Rey or Eric Satie or, um, you know, Beethoven or Angus and Julia Stone, <laughs> you know, if there's an intimacy to it, then that's my favorite. Okay. So if you were to think of a song that best describes your journey, what would it be and why? Oh my God. Oh man, I wish I had thought of that. I think, again, I think that these questions came up before and I wish I remember what I wrote. Oh man, uh, that's such a hard question. Give me a second. <laughs> no um, problem. I think you said Lana Del Rey. I love to escape style music too, like Lana Del Rey. No. Uh, roll, rolling like a rolling stone. Oh, Bob Dylan like a rolling stone. Yeah. Oh, that's a good ah. one. Yeah, that's a great one. Oh, I love that song. Totally. Oh, okay. yeah. Good answer, B. Okay, tell me why. <laughs> tell me why. I'd love to know why. Oh, <laughs> it's so free and yet like sad at the same time. I just love the analogy and and uh, the metaphor of like, you know, you because a lot of times as a writer you feel lonely because you have to sit there in your thoughts and explore them and your friend is the paper, and that's that's a hard thing to do and and I find myself sitting you know sitting in my car writing and crying a lot. <laughs> it's just what I do. But, so you feel there's a loneliness to it, but but there's this beauty of just being like this stone that's rolling down this hill and it doesn't even matter where you're going or, you know, where you came from because you're free and you're just rolling around and it's just, I just love it. And it's, it's true. And I think that signifies not just, not just right now, but, um, but yeah, my, my whole life really, it's a beautiful song. I should cover it. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Do it. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so how can we stay in touch with you? What are your social media handles? Um, so yeah, so our our Mason music on Instagram is the main one um to find. And then if you I also have a YouTube channel uh at our r.mason. And then um I also have um I've I mean I've got Twitter and then I've got a Facebook page as well. I've I never go on Twitter, but, and then I've also got my website as well, which is our Mason music. And that's got all the updates. I've got, I've got a tour coming up in September on Vancouver Island here. So um, yeah, the dates for that will be listed there soon. So you can find me there and we'll be releasing um, a song called peace. I live here now, which is basically everything that we're talking about right now in a song. And uh, 
that'll be released hopefully in the fall. So you can look it up on Spotify. I'm, I'm on Spotify and um, iTunes and all those streaming services as well. My most recent album, the album that What's the Point, the film is about talks or is basically the the making of the EP that we did, Rain's Too Loud for TV, and that's up on Spotify and, and YouTube and, or, well, YouTube too, but um, iTunes and all the, all the streaming services that okay cool thank you so very much i appreciate it so with that said i appreciate you coming on to the show and sharing your story with us it's definitely been a pleasure thank you thanks for having me no problem so and to all your resilient minds out there until next time please subscribe to us on all our platforms and don't forget to rate the show and leave a review for us on apple podcasts also, join the community of Resilient Minds and sign up for our monthly newsletter at cleonycrawford.com. Be sure to grab a copy of my book, The Music of My Life, on all Amazon marketplaces to get to know me better. And if you can think of, if you can think of one person that will receive value from today's show or connect with uh, um, Rebecca's testimonial, please share it with them. Feel free to take a screenshot of this week's episode of the podcast and tag us on Instagram. You can tag myself at only Cleone or Resilient Minds 365 and today's guest at r.mason. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. R. Mason, r. Mason music. Yeah. Right. Perfect. R. Mason music. Mason music. And remember, mental health is not a death sentence. Despite your illness, you can strive, thrive, and live a life of abundance. Until next time, I'm Cleone Crawford and I'm signing off. Let's <laughs> go.